Hey, this is Captain Lee, and you're listening to the Andertons Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Anderton's TV. And my special guest today is none other than Troy Van Leeuwen, all the way from somewhere much sunnier than I am at the moment. Um, and I'm so pleased to have you on. Uh, big fan of your work. Uh, and thank you very much for joining us. Tell us, come on, where are you and just how warm is it at the moment? Okay, well, I'm in Los Angeles, California. Um, and as sunny as it looks, it's probably about 68 degrees. So, which is, you know, pretty normal for this time of year in, uh, in Southern California. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, Cheers, we're gonna, I, I, I'm really interested in you as a, well, I've personally been familiar with what you've been doing going back to the, the sort of when you joined Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, I've kind of read up a little bit about what you were doing before that. Um, yeah. And I'm kind of interested in, you, you definitely aren't going for a sort of a mainstream approach towards your guitar tone and stylistically how you play. You, you, I think you're trying to be your own person on that. And can, can we go, can we sort of dive back into when you were learning to play guitar and what you, what it was about your musical influences then that you think of sure. creating yeah. that? Um, well, um, I started playing when I was about 13. And at the time, you know, FM radio in, in Southern California was, you know, was all like rock music, you know, so like ACDC, Zeppelin, Hendrix, um, Black Sabbath, um, you know, tenders, stuff like that. I was listening to, um, and that sort of got me in, in the, in the door. Um, and, you know, I, I was kind of just like everybody else learning pentatonic scales and, and, you know, not going too far into lessons. I didn't have enough of a attention span for, for lessons and all that kind of stuff. So I would listen to records and the radio and I would tape songs off the radio if I liked them and I'd try to learn them, you know. So it was all by ear, you know, most of my learning. So, you know, that's how I kind of got in the door. But as I started listening to more interesting music and, you know, I started getting into Bowie and like, you know, T-Rex and then into Bauhaus. And like, so there's, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of like classic rock in my in my veins. That's where it kind of starts. But I wanted I got I got into like the way that Robert Fripp plays. You know, there's there's a certain kind of offness about his playing, and so I would incorporate elements of of that and like any any kind of like post punk alternative mm. playing, like Johnny Marr from The Smiths. You know, it's just I would just kind of get more into that style of, of playing and and uh, and kind of reinvent what I think rock and roll is. So basically, that's kind of where it starts. I, I know um, from listening to um, 
Robert Fripp talking and um, interviewing a, a guy called Jacko, who, who's played with him a lot recently. I can see I can see a little bit now. He talks about creating soundscapes rather than necessarily um, just a straight melody or a tune or something like that. It's a, it's a soundscape. Sure. Does that? Do you think that was rubbing off that early influence and you're uh, 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 coming towards your guitar tone and going, there's, there's more than just chords here, you know, there's, there's a whole... Yeah, yeah, I would say that, that I, you know, I, I kind of have been reinventing what I think of, of reinventing myself since, you know, since, you know, like the early 90s. <laughs> um, and I... I really would like to, to think of myself as a player who wants to serve the song first um, with whatever part or whatever melody or whatever, you know, whatever uh, sound I want to get. And then from there, self-expression is, 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 you know, super important to me too. So it just depends on the song and like what it calls for, but, I like to play outside of the lines. I like to keep mistakes and then repeat them and then make them apart. You know what I mean? So to me, you know, and I mentioned Bauhaus earlier, like Daniel Ash's playing has always been intriguing to me because he, he's, it sounds like, like he's approaching the, the guitar, like in a way that's, that's, uh, maybe he maybe he doesn't like he probably didn't study theory I, I guess you know so there's there's notes that are like dissonant and, and and kind of like emote sort of like an offness I like to use stuff like that to create tension and then and then a release mm-hmm. so there's all kinds of creative ways for me to express myself with a guitar I mean I've been playing it for long enough that if I, I should be bored of it by now, <laughs> but I'm not, I keep getting into it. I keep loving it. So it's, See, it's cool. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a lifer. Did you, did you go straight from, from school into following a, a career as a guitar player or, or was there a, a time when you were, you know, balancing a job and, and the band and. Well, I mean, you know, when you're, when you're living in Los Angeles, I'm going to change the angle of this because the sun is kind of, there we go. I mean, it's nice to have sunlight, but <laughs> I need to be bathing in it. I, I do still think of myself as a vampire from time to time. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I'm sorry. What was that question? <laughs> we were talking about just leaving school and whether you went straight yes. to being a guitar player or well, being a being a musician in in Los Angeles, you know, during that time, you know, the early '90s and stuff, it, you had to have a job because you know, I I didn't really have a career. I was playing in in bands and trying to get deals and you know doing little bits of touring here and there and making no money at it. So it wasn't until you know, I mean, I I tried to go to you know, city college and stuff like that. And I, I learned how to play cello for a minute and piano and, and I studied a little bit of art, but ultimately I, I just, you know, I just toughed it out for a long time and, and hooked up with the right people at, you know, 
Um, and that's sort of how my, yeah, yeah. So, but I didn't have a career in mind other than playing music. If that's, that's the question. What were you yeah. playing then as well? Were you, you know, guitar in terms gear wise, had you, had you started to experiment with, you know, different instrument stuff or were you playing, you know, were you just, did you have a, a strat or a telly like everybody else or? So my, initially the, the like the, the first really good guitar I got was a Gibson Les Paul Deluxe. And that was the only guitar I played for, for a long time. And I always was curious of, you know, um, having different tones, like a, like a Telecaster and, and um, you know, a Strat. But I, I, I just couldn't afford it. Um, so, yeah, yeah so a little bit later. But I basically had a Les Paul Deluxe and a Fender Twin, a, a 70s Fender Twin Silverface. And a few pedals, you know, and I just kept that that rig for as long as I could until I could afford something else. Um, so, but, you know, it's funny because, you know, we're talking about this guitar here. And, and it, to me, it never entered my mind that I'd, I'd be into playing an offset guitar like this um, at that time. But the truth is, the very first guitar I, I got was a Tisco Del Rey. Oh, cool! And it was it was it was, <laughs> it was beat up. It was I think I got it for sixty dollars, and it was it was all I can you know all I can get at that time, all I could afford, and I played it until it basically fell apart. And back then, I didn't know anybody who fixed guitars. <laughs> You know, otherwise I would have had it fixed and, and kept it forever. But it was an offset shape. It was, it was much like this one, you know. Yeah. And so that's what brings me kind of back to this guitar because it kind of reminds me of my youth. And, um, you know, we're talking about California and how sunny it is and how the sun keeps trying to blind me <laughs> up camera i'm just gonna let it go <laughs> um and um yeah so yeah i guess I, I i i you know we could talk about that too you know the the reason you know i, I have an, another jazz master that's in candy ox blood and it's a mm-hmm. it's a beautiful dark color and it's a great guitar that looks looks wonderful on stage and and it's basically the same guitar as this with uh with a you know with the the traditional rosewood fingerboard and when fender approached me to do a, another color first of all i was i was ecstatic you know i was very happy about that that you know they, they would want me to do more um so this is kind of the 180 difference you know it's, it's the same guitar but when you add different elements of like you know, this fingerboard, the maple fingerboard, definitely has a a better attack. Like not a better, it has a more a brighter attack. And aesthetically, it's kind of it kind of does a few things for me. Um, it 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 reminds me of my youth before I played music. You know, I was the kid going to the beach and and boogie boarding and <laughs> and riding BMX bikes and, and, you know, summertime was, was 
you know, magical. And I also spent a lot of time in the desert. And so this is kind of an homage to my, my, my youth being a California kid and also an homage to the origins of the Queens of the Stone Age. You know, when you go to Joshua Tree, there's colors like this. The sunset looks like this sometimes, you know. So it's kind of all those things, like, you know, wrapped into into one package for, for me. Did, did it, did it so feel I, like... What's that? I, mean, I was going to say, I mean, I, I can't in my own mind come to just believe that it's almost 20 years ago that you joined Queens of the Stone Age. I know. <laughs> and, I, and I kind of, in my head, I still think of it as almost like a new band, which is like, and I, and I'm de- I mean, we're, we're pretty much the same age. And I guess there's a, there's a certain part of me that just goes, where's the last 20 years gone? I can't work it out. But yeah. I sort of, you know, I, I remember the Foo Fighters kind of being like, wow, it's big. It's, an, it's the new band. And then like Queens kind of came along not that long after. And it just... I don't know. And then you just go, and then 20 years have gone by and you went and you go like, whoa, does that, I mean, I get, does that freak you out as well sometimes? Sure. That's, you put it very well because I was thinking about it the other day too. And I mean, I was a fan of the band before I joined the band. So there's that extra, you know, 22 years, you know, like the first record came out. Yeah. 22 years ago. And I loved that record so much. I've played it all the time. And and to me, it, it reminds me of being um yeah, being on the road. Cause when you just when you're on the road, I think I was in a van, you know, on tour somewhere when I heard that record. And when you're in a van and you're you're there with your, your bros and you're like, let's listen to this record. <laughs> and then, you know an hour and a half or an hour passes by and then you know you've you've driven 200 miles you know depending on fast how fast you're going <laughs> so those those things kind of stick with you and and like you just you really discover like what music you're into because you're just stuck you know in a van listening hard and so yeah it and that's the one thing about being a touring musician like time is is this very strange thing and sometimes it sits still forever if you're sitting in an airport waiting to get on a plane and then sometimes like you're saying 20 years goes by and you're like what happened so yeah i i think i think i've, I've experienced the same thing just you know I, I mean i i remember i remember feeling like i'm not sure if i had the first queen's album i think i actually had i think my first album was probably the one that they released just before you joined and I, yeah and i kind of i remember thinking you know this is a new sound you know this is this is not just regurgitating you know rock from an, a previous decade and sure. and i wonder I always found, I always thought that the, the guitar playing and the general construction of the songs in there, that the, they just were interesting to listen to. I know, I know in the, I know in the early days, it's sort of written that, that you and, and Josh were quite, um, quite secretive about the, the gear that you were using to try and get those sounds. I mean, was that, yeah. was that just part of the mystique or, or 
were you genuinely hoping that no one would copy you? Well, I'll say that I've kind of lightened up on, on what I do in the band as far as like what gear I use. But Josh yeah. definitely has has his his uniqueness. And, um, you know, for me, part of it is like your fingers. Your fingers do what they do, no matter what. And that's very true for him. And it's very true for me. It's the, the re when I learned that it was when we were doing lullabies to paralyze and Billy Gibbons was so gracious to come down and play on that record. And he spent a couple days with us and he literally it didn't matter what guitar you gave him, <laughs> what amp or what pedal, he don't, I don't think he'd be even use pedals. But he would just plug in, and it sounded like Billy Gibbons, and there was just no doubt about it. So there's a bit of that. Like, you can't really, like, copy people, you know? But I think, you know, in the spirit of, like, magicians, you know, you don't, <laughs> you don't want to give away your tricks. And that's, I think that's what Josh's philosophy is. But mine is, it's not what you play, it's, it's what you play. And so I'm I'm pretty free with, you know, what I use and and you know I'm, and I'm always changing. So it's kind of like there's never really like one set kind of single chain, you know. And I I change amps all the time. But the fun the the funny thing is, I have learned that this guitar, the Jazzmaster, has become part of my signature. With, mm. with kind of everything I do right now because it's a super unique and versatile guitar. I can get so many tones out of this thing. I mean, I can get the brightest, shrillest, like angular, you know, ear shredding um, rhythm sound out of this, out of this, you know, this bridge pickup. And I can get the warmest, creamiest, like bluesiest, you know, uh, tone from from the bass circuit too so i need that for especially for queens because over the years you know we were kind of, you know i i was kind of when i first joined queens i was kind of there to to replicate some of the stuff that josh was doing and then uh, yeah so over the years i was i've been able to bring my own flavor to the band and so my role now is yeah, I'm a I'm a texture guy, I'm a color guy, and I'm an ambient guy. So um, that's what this guitar kind of does. It does all of that. And it takes lower tuning very well because it's got a lot a longer scale. And yeah. So there's there's a lot of reasons why I kind of stick with this guitar. You you've stuck with a very vintage spec on that guitar. I mean, you've, cha by the, you, you, you've changed the, the pickup switching a little bit, simplified that a little bit, but everything about the radius and the pickups and the trem system, and it's very vintage. Is that, yeah. did you have old jazz masters prior to doing the signature and just sort of, you know, was a love affair just with the old ones from before? I, I, I've never owned a, vin a vintage uh, jazz master, um, but the one guitar that I did get, which was a newer, it was a newer release, but I, I'm trying to think if it's called the, the, I can't think of the actual title, but a, a, about five years ago, Fender released like 
the 62 telly and the and the and the um and like all the all the really really specifically good years of all the yeah. guitar with those original colors yeah and one of them was a 65 jazz master and aztec gold and so even down to the finish where it was like the kind of paint that they used back then i mean it, it was it was exactly what i liked about jazz master that that spec on the neck those pickups um and so i just you know when they asked me to do my signature model i said just put that stuff in this guitar with this switch and this color yeah <laughs> with a matching headstock and I, so that, that's what i did um i can't so i can't see close up have you have you gone for the the saddles on yours like the old mustang saddles or are they the are they the that's the other thing the bridge yeah, on yeah. this is a mustang bridge um yeah and so that was one of the other things that i could never kind of get around with the original bridges on 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 the jazz masters because the way i hit it, you know mm. with my pick it's it's i would say it's a bit aggressive <laughs> and and they the strings would always flop off of those little grooves yeah and i would you know, I'd be in the middle of a song having to pick it you know go like oh i gotta put it back in the saddle so that's why i picked the mustang bridge because it's it handles that strike of mine a little bit better you know it's a I, I love that copper color i think it's stunning and and i and the, the 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 vibe of the black inlays on the maple board gives it a real kind of 70s sort of super like funky 70s to me yeah. and, um and you know the, the thing that we really worked on with the color it's it's basically a it's a, a fender copper um and i gave him a couple of examples of like because you know the thing that that people may or may not know is that guitars and cars they all shared the same colors like they like the guitars from the 50s and 60s especially like if you look at like a seafoam green you know that was the same color on a on a 50s uh you know chevrolet bel-air so to me i i was looking for copper colors you know from that era and i found this I think it was a 58 Corvette that had this copper color. And so I kind of took that as an example of like what, what I would, another, you know, sort of California dream in like a, a 60 or 58 Corvette, you know, with no, with no, with, a, you know, with a topless, you know, convertible. But, but what, what I did add was a little bit of a, I like that Aztec gold too. Yeah. So there's, yeah. So there's a little bit of a hint of, it's mostly copper, but there's a hint of gold and a hint of orange too. So again, it reminds me of like the sunset, you know, in, in, in Joshua Tree. It's a, it is a beautiful color. I always think back to, uh, I read a, a biography of, uh, or an autobiography of George Fullerton and saying that, you know, the way he used to convince Leo Fender to do different colors back in the day was to just go to the car spray place over the road from where we were making them and just get the colors from there and spray guitars up and and so yeah all the original fender colors are just classic american car colors from there yeah it's you just... know my, my dad was a was an auto painter he used to do right. custom stuff and 
that's also a, you know an homage to him because I would I would spend you know days at the shop, you know watching him paint, especially cars from that era because that's where he grew up, and you know he turned me on to Chuck Berry when I was probably four hmm. years old. So it's probably his fault. Oh, it's great, man. <laughs> that, um, um, that- I should, I should say to the people watching that the reason we don't have uh, one of Troy's new guitars in stock now is because you keep buying them all faster than they can come in. So uh, not you as in Troy, I mean you as in the audience. That would well, be bad I'll if buy- you were buying all your own guitars back. <laughs> um, but, I'm, I'm very chuffed about that, I have to say. That's a very British uh, thing to say. Where did you learn? You must have learned that over here. I definitely have. I've been over there so many times that it just rubs off on me. You know? oh, that's... So come on, once once the lead goes out of the guitar and it's going into pedals and guitar amplifiers and stuff, and you've talked about creating textures and ambient tones and stuff, is it now a massive pedal board, like the size of a door? Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I say that because, you know, Ultimately, when you pick up a guitar and you're, you know, you want to get something out of it, you you got to make sure it sounds good just plugging straight into the amp, which this does. But, um, you know, I've kind of, you know, I've kind of done this to myself over the years. You know, I, I just I end up playing through every pedal that you can think of, and so yeah, I kind of like I try to keep it, you know, smaller than a a door, <laughs> uh, but inevitably, you know, especially when I'm recording, you know, I, I gotta have every, you know, like I gotta have every color on my palette. So yeah, I, I use a lot, I use a it, lot of stuff. If there was a fly rig and, and the band said, look, we got to travel light here. The board can be this big. What four pedals are on it? And I don't, you don't have to name specific brands or whatever, but what, what would they be? Types well, of pedal? Um, I, I don't mind naming brands. Um, uh, I usually have to have some, some whammy pedal. Um, okay. An old, uh, Digitech whammy pedal, if, if possible. Um, I'm always using upper and lower octaves. Um, I don't really like lean on using it in the Tom Morello sense, you know, yeah. where and he made it such an iconic sound on that first Rage Against the Machine record. And I, I love that, but I, I kind of like, like, you know, maybe that, that's a tip of the hat to him because mm-hmm. he's kind of the first guy that's been known for it. But, you know, I love using lower octaves when I'm soloing. Um, so that's one. Um, I... I use an octave fuzz for for certain stuff, you know, and some kind of Octavia. There's a few different ones that I like. Um, there's a company called Fuzzerocious that make yeah. um, one called the OC Demon and a company called Dr. No that I kind of, you know, I kind of co-designed with with, cool. um, with the maker. Uh, I'm just basing on his name. I don't know why. I just call him Dr. No. Um, I, I, I'm not a big distortion fan. I like overdrive. I like pushing the amp. Um, so I, I use a way huge green rhino most of the time. And, uh, so that's three. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, if I were going to pick a fourth, I would what's, have to What's say, the reverb delay thing? What, where are you going with that? delay thing, and this yeah. is something I've been using over the last four or five years constantly, is a is a Eventide H9. Right. I mean, that does everything. So yeah. that would I be think my... That, that's cheating, cheating having the H9 at the end because it, you can just have, it's everything. I, I got to ask you, have you seen and tried, and I'm looking for a colleague to give me the nod. I think it's a brand called, it, Jack White did this um, collaboration thing on a, pe- like looked like a Morse code thing and one pedal did octave up and one did octave down and the middle one was like a kill switch. It's wicked. I don't know if you've seen that yet. I've no. seen it, yeah. And I'm really curious of it because... I, like I said, I'm a pedal junkie, and um, I, I would, yeah, I've I've seen like Mark Motherbaum from from Devo doing a demo of it, and I was like, wow, it's really yeah. cool. That's, uh, it that is a cool, cool. pedal. It's so Jack. You know, yeah. he's got he's got this aesthetic that no one else does, and even down to his the, the way his pedal looks is yeah. Is, it's is like great. it's it's the proper Morse code thing from like the you know the Second World War. It's just it's so cool. It's so rad. so cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to try that one out for sure. And then, and then, what's the amp? What what are we? What 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 gives you the big tones? Is it still a twin or something different now? So I, well, I mean, the one amp. If you're saying I gotta have one, <laughs> I, I would. What I've had the most luck with uh, for Queens and every other you know band that I kind of play with recently. Um, it's a, it's the hand-wired AC30. Okay. They're, they're newer. Um, the yep. newer ones you know, that have been out for the last, you know, maybe, wow, they've been, they've been around for like 10, 12 years. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, they have that Lons Tullux. Um, I get the best all-around, you know, tone from that, from that amplifier. But I usually use that in, in, in concert with something else. With my live rig, I have a, a dry sound and I have a, a wet sound. So um, recently, I've been playing this uh, this amp from the well. There's a company called Echo Park, which is a friend a friend of mine, Gabriel Curry. He makes these really beautiful um, guitars, and he's he's a true luthier but he also makes amplifiers so he and his amp designer eric made this amp that's this unicorn marshall <laughs> that was sort of in between the plexi era and the jmp era it was called the you know everyone called it the narb because the guy who designed it his name was bran right. so they called it the narb it was just brand backwards and so he actually made this, you know, amp. It's a hand-wired um, Marshall-style um, amp. And I'm not—I've never been like a huge Marshall guy, but this is the one, you know. And so that's the other amp I would—I would use that with. He makes a 312 cabinet, which oh, looks cool, amazing. It's like it looks like those Vox amps that were the bandstand amps. You know, that yes. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the other amp I would would use. Well, I, I love I think I can I think I can hear that kind of. 
I think I want to hear it loud as well. I think it's, yeah, it's I the mean, kind it's, of thing it's, that... It's a, it's, a, it's a big sound. <laughs> it's a big sound. So um, I, I guess we're coming, coming kind of near to the end of the, the time we've got now, which is cool, <laughs> and I've really enjoyed talking about that. But your latest project then, Gone is Gone. Yeah. Um, that uh, that sounds like a cool collaboration, and um, and probably the only band in the world where there are two people called Troy in it. So, <laughs> <laughs> tell tell us about how you know how did that come along, and and you know that's quite different to the the, the Queen's uh, you know that's quite different to the Queen's stuff. So, yeah. you know, is that is that like a, a, a just another creative outlet for you to do something it different? Certainly is, yeah. Um, so. You know, I mentioned being on the road earlier, and another perk of when when you're on the road touring, playing festivals, and and or just being in a you know, usually it happens in Europe <laughs> or, yeah. or or the UK, um, where you run into another band that's on that's also playing the night after you or the night before you. They just happen to come to see your your band play. I do that all the time, but you know that's where I met. Initially, I met Tony, um, the drummer, who's from a band called At The Drive-In. And uh, he was playing with an an offshoot of that band called Sparta. So this is how incestuous it gets. (laughs) But anyways, you know, we were on tour together and we hit it off. uh, And over the years, that was probably, I don't know, probably like... 2003 or something we always talked about doing a project and um so i had time off from queens in between records and he gave me a call and he was doing all this kind of scoring for movie trailers and video games and you know stuff like that and i of course i love i love the marriage of sound and vision you know for me every everything i want to write on on guitar it's a soundtrack to some movie in my head already so to me I, I love that kind of stuff so we started working on you know instrumentals and <clears throat> his friend Mike Zarin had this company that that sort of composed a lot of this stuff so we were working on all, all this music and they were like you know it'd be interesting to get somebody to sing on this and they both were saying um, that they liked Troy Sanders from Mastodon. And I said, well, it just so happens that I know Troy because <laughs> we've met on the road too, you know, like, and we always talked about, well, he, he always talked about opening up a bar called, called Troy's plural, <laughs> which is stupid. But, uh, but we always laughed about doing, you know, doing that and then, and then having some project to do. So, I just called him and he was standing in line at the DMV, um, which is torturous. I don't know if you guys have a DMV. No. You don't. It's Department of Motor Vehicles. It's the the worst line you could ever stand in to get your license. But he answered the call and he jumped right at the chance. So that's kind of how the whole whole thing started about five, six years ago. Oh, it's a while back. I didn't. I didn't realize it had been going that long. Well, that's how it kind of started, and as you can imagine, you know, a band's, you know, a band like Mastodon, they are a tireless touring machine. You know, they, they are, they're 
a band's band, you know, they tour so much. And so, you know, I would say Mastodon tour a lot, Queens second, and then at the drive-in is a close third. <laughs> so it's very hard to schedule stuff. You know what I mean? To yeah. get in a room at least and play back before the whole world went crazy. Well, what might right what might you do with that? I mean, I said I've seen some some cool stuff on YouTube, and I, I again, I really really like the, the the sort of the vibe of that band as well. Yes, yeah, I mean, it's basically it, it's it's our it's our project. We call yeah. it a project because it'll never tour, and it, right, we, we play one. We've managed to play one live show per year. Right, I get it. So you're very much Queens and Mastodon are the are the touring. And the, yeah. that's the main the main gig, and then Gone Is Gone is is a is a just gone a, a is, is, is bit an of fun. opportunity to to kind of like explore different things, you know, and and different sounds and different gear and uh, different you know sort of emotions, I guess. So that's what it it, it is. It's, it's definitely a chance to step out of your normal like self and then try something different. And so my playing in that band is very. Like yeah, it's 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 any opportunity I can make something feel rather than technically show off, you know. Yeah. yeah. So it's a it's a cool project, and yeah, our record comes out on the fourth of December. Oh, cool! And um, and uh, we're trying to figure out if there's a way we can do any kind of like live stream, you know, performances and stuff like everybody else, but. I mean, the music is there, and it's also like a, you know, it's a headphone record. You know, you put on the headphones, and it's coming out on vinyl, and it's got this great artwork that has the gatefold and everything. So it reminds me of being a kid and listening to records and looking at the artwork. Uh, it's got that vibe. That's cool, man. Well, I wish you all the best with that. If there's anything we can do to help um, promote that, if you decide to do the live stream or whatever. Um, and if you do get oh. it on the road and, and you, you come to the, the UK to tour it, or next time you're here with Queens or whatever, just, you know, again, let us know. Love to, to try Absolutely. and do anything we can well, to, I, to spread the I, word. I do have plans. Well, we'll see how it goes. But, you know, we have plans to do Reading and Leeds with Queens in 2021. So <laughs> hopefully that will yeah. stick. Fingers crossed. Who knows at the moment? It's on a knife edge, isn't it? Maybe it will. Come on, yeah. everybody. Just behave for a few more weeks. We can do this. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think it really has the one, I'll say the one benefit to all this sort of like post-apocalyptic world that we're living in is I think everyone appreciates live music now more than ever. Like, and I, I, I certainly do. Um, yeah, I'm dying to either play or, or see a live show, anything, you know. So, yeah, hopefully we'll we'll make it there and everything will be peachy keen. Yeah, well, amen to that. And look, yeah. uh, thank you so much for joining us from your very, very beautiful, I don't know, it was like a roof garden kind of, uh, we didn't get to see the dog. What happened? I, I thought oh, we were, we well, were the promised dog, a dog. They, they snuck <laughs> back <inside>. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, this is just a little outdoor sort of lounge area uh, that, that I get to take advantage of at this time of year. 
Well, it's very nice. And thank you so much. Well, look, have a wonderful day. Thank you ever so much for joining us and good luck with everything. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Troy Van Leeuwen, everyone, round of applause. Thank you very much. Uh, Okay, take it easy, man. See you soon. All right. Good one. Thanks for listening to our latest podcast. If you enjoyed it, hit that subscribe button. See you next time. 